Day Talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. We gon' talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. It's Today Talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. I'ma talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. Cause it's Today Talks. And I'ma talk about it. Yeah, cause it's Today Talks. And I'ma talk about it. And welcome to this episode of the Tanae Talks podcast, the podcast that entertains and educates. Remember, Tanae Talks and you listen. It is Financial Literacy Month, and we will be celebrating it all month long on the Tanae Talks podcast. And I have a really exciting guest to give you some financial education expertise and tips that will help you not go into debt or reduce your debt or be even become debt-free to spread wisely. Today's show is sponsored and brought to you by Pure Cuts Barbershop, where you get the master barber experience. Pure Cuts services include men's cuts, kids' cuts, beard trims, edge-ups, and they specialize in scalp treatments, hot towel service, and all over color design. You can book with the master barber and owner of Pure Cuts, Rasul at styleseat.com slash R underscore the barber. You can book a haircut by calling 817-225-6779. They are located at 801 North Main Street in Mansfield, Texas. Um, pure cuts where you get the master barber experience. So shout out to our sponsors. They make things possible, make things go around here. But I have an exciting guest that I'm so excited to share with my audience. I have the opportunity of talking today to Dr. Brittany Halford. And, and today's topic is actually entitled why you ain't where the money resides. And she's going to tell you why you're not where the money resides, but she's going to give you tips on where you can go where the money resides and how it can reside with you. So Dr. Brittany Halford, MD, MPH, is an internal medicine physician originally from Flint, Michigan. She attended the University of Michigan Go Blue for undergrad. She completed medical school at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine, where she also completed a master's degree in public health. So that's what the MD, MPH, and all the alphabets mean behind her name. That means that sis knows what she's talking about. But you may think it to yourself, well, if she's a physician and she has a degree in science, how the heck does she know about financial tips and, and paying down debt and all of that, and credit cards and all that? How she know that? How she know that? How she know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. In addition to medicine, Dr. Halford, is an entrepreneur and co-founder of Bromelin and Rose. I think I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm pretty sure she'll let me know. A satin line hair accessories brand for women and children. She also shares her passion for personal finance and building generational wealth with others through her YouTube channel and financial coaching business. More joy, more wealth. And I like that. I like that. Dr. Halford shares her experience with paying off. Get this, y'all. System paid off $138,000 of student loans in 3.5 years. Without further ado, welcome Dr. Brittany Halford to Tanae Talks. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. I love 
all of the ad libs. <laughs> <laughs> Baby girl, I'm just so excited that you pay off $138,000 and student loan that is a phenomenal and wonderful feat that that you did because i am also trying to figure out how to uh pay back my student loans <laughs> so there you I'm, go yeah i'm so happy to get into that so before i get into that we also got to acknowledge that she she said she a flintstone native of flint you know everything yes. i love everything flint i first met Brittany in middle school at the Whittier Middle School. <laughs> okay. And then um, Brittany made a terrible choice. Instead of going to the school next door, Flint Central High School, instead of doing that, she went across town and she ended up going to Flint Northern. It's okay. Vikings. Vikings <laughs> rule. But Brittany, I always tell people this story about you. There's something that sticks out to me and you may not even remember this, but when I went and saw, you know, and I, you know, I see you through Facebook and we're part of the same sorority. So I get to see you in different capacities, but with all your success, I always tell people, I knew that Brittany was going to be a doctor because she always said she was going to be one, but a moment that's, <laughs> that stands out to me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You remember when I was a senior, I believe, either a senior and, I, and you were a junior, we had chemistry class together with uh, Mr. I think it was Mr. Pavlet. No, what is that? Mm -hmm. That's his last name? Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know if you remember uh, me, Beeper, uh, Brittany and Tiffany Deloach called ourselves DMA. And we were doing all kind of crazy stuff in that class. We would be singing and visiting each other. And he used to always give us these chemistry packets. And with all the chaos that was going around in that class, <laughs> you would be like this. You would just really be into your work and the, and the, you know, the scientific equations and the periodic table. Like you did not phase what the heck we got going on, but we all did end up becoming college graduates. Beeper went on to become an engineer. Yes. You went on to become a teacher and I went on into higher education and you end up becoming a doctor because you were really into it. And I don't think we were committed. <laughs> <laughs> I did love science. And that was the reason why I went to Northern. I, and plus it was right down the street from my house. So, you know, skipping was real easy. <laughs> <laughs> you were a skipper? Oh, girl. Oh, yes. Let me find out, Brittany. I wasn't a skipper. <laughs> Yes, we would always skip, but I maintain, I mean, I was valedictorian, right? So I was able to maintain a 4.0 GPA while still having my extracurriculars and extra extracurriculars. Right, right, right. So Brittany said she went to Northern for, because uh, they, because of science. And so I went to Central, which was more performing arts, English. And then we had a magnet program where you could go to Northern. They specialize in math and science. So that's why we were able to have that science class together. So Brittany, tell us a little bit about your journey into personal finance and why that is a passion for you right now. Yeah. So, you know, I never really thought about personal finance as something that was important growing up. Like my parents were economic majors. And so they would do like 
as we were go to the grocery store, okay, you have $5, you, we're going to buy this, it's 20% off, how much are you going to, so I was really good at mental math just because of my parents. And that also helped me in my career as a physician. And when I got those student loans, you know, after becoming, graduating from medical school, and I had to make those payments, my first thought was like, I'm not going to pay the government back any more money <laughs> than I have to. But then I realized how quickly interest accrued and how further that was putting me into debt. So I started to educate myself on what does this actually mean? Give me strategies. What is compounding interest? You know, what, <clears throat> how can I refinance my student loans to try to get this money back um, so that I can pay it off sooner than later? And then what stuck after I paid off my debt is that I shared that story with other people and people gravitated towards it. I didn't know that what I had done was something of an anomaly of sorts. (laughs) And (laughs) then I realized connecting health, that financial health is so much a part of your overall wellness. You know, a lot of times patients who are less money savvy can't afford their insulin because they have to pay their electricity bill. And we don't do better because we don't know better. You know, no one, when you say money, one, money is not talked about in our community. And then it is something that a lot of people don't want to broach because they feel intimidated by it. I am not worthy of money. I can never have money. My mom didn't have money. You know, like this is just kind of going to be what, the trajectory of my life is going to be. So once I realized that what I know I can share with others to improve not only their financial health, but their overall wellness, and that links directly to medicine, then that really just spurred in me this, this passion to, to share this message with others and to help others. Brittany, you preach it today because <laughs> that is so, I think when we think of money, you use a key term when you said we're intimidated by it because we don't know. Like now I'm starting to learn about Roth IRAs and different Mm -hmm. things of that nature, but you're a physician. So you get to see the, when you talk about the overall health is tied to our money, you get to see it up close when you have a patient that's coming in and, and maybe they need a procedure but insurance doesn't cover it or they may not have insurance. And so the stress, they're they're grief stricken immediately that, hey, if I've been diagnosed with cancer, I might die because I can't afford these treatments Mm -hmm. or I may have insurance where I need a a referral or things of that nature. So you're absolutely right. It's tied to our health and stress is a a killer. And especially for African-Americans, we're stressed with the with daily life, but we add the black tax on to it, right? The things that we have to endure as, you know, African-Americans. And most recently I had to go to an ER visit. I really did not want to go. Cause I was like, oh my God, I, I, what, what is this bill going to look like? That's mm-hmm. literally, that was my first thought. Right. So I said, well, I'm going to just go to urgent care. I'm going to go to urgent care. I know my copay is going to be $50 there. I go there. Well, I was in so much pain and it hurt so bad that the physician there said, I think you may um, have something greater than I can service you here. So I'm going to send you over to ER, right? So I'm instantly panicked because I'm like, oh my God, I came to this urgent care. She didn't service me, but I'm still going to be charged this 50 bucks, which is 50 bucks, but still, 
I could have got my nails done. (laughs) (laughs) So I head on over to the ER and they're like, you know, doing what they do, give me morphine drips and and whatnot. And then they're like, we got to order an x-ray. Immediately I'm like, an x-ray? That's more money. (laughs) It's It's like the calculations are going in my head and I'm stressed out. And mind you, I'm a person with health insurance. Mm-hmm. But my health insurance is not, it's not top tier to me, in, in my opinion, this particular, you know, plan of sorts. Um, so I was stressed, I was stressed, I was stressed, I was stressed, I was stressed. And then boom, I got everything done, you know, because your health is important. You got to be able to live no matter what. And so then I get the bill back with the x-ray and everything. And, to, and by the grace of God that I only had to pay 560 out of pocket. Which I'm saying like, thank God. Well, maybe 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say, oh, thank God it was $500 mm-hmm. and I can pay for it. You know, and that's how people end up going into debt because they can't pay those bills. They need the service, but then they get sent to collections. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about like debt and like you knew that you needed to do this, but how did you get out of it? What was the strategy that you use to kind of snowball this $1,038,000 yes. zero balance. <laughs> yes. So I just want to say, first of all, like the fact that you had that stressful preoccupation and you didn't feel well, right? So you don't feel well and you still had to stress about, can you pay your bills? But you can actually pay some portion of your bills because you have health insurance. There's so many Americans who don't have health insurance or have, you know, are relegated to Medicare and have long delays to reach access. So access to health care and finances are closely linked. And it is just really unfortunate. And thank you so much for being transparent and sharing that with us, because I think even as physicians, because many physicians don't look like us, don't come from Flint, Michigan, we don't even give thought to, oh, let me order all these tests and focus on really like high quality care. And what is the patient actually going to receive on the other end of that? And how is that going to affect their lives? So thank you for sharing that story. So I think, you know, in general, when we talk about debt management, the first thing that you have to discuss is having an emergency fund. Because if you don't have an emergency fund, then like you said, that bill can go to collections or you use a credit card to pay it off and you can't pay it off for a year or two years and that interest continues to accrue, further putting you in more debt. So I think that that's the first strategy for anyone who is trying to pay off their debt is to have an emergency fund. Now, when I started to pay off my debt, I did have an emergency fund. I was newly married. <laughs> my husband was a resident. So he makes a resident salary, which is typically about $55,000. Um, and I was um, an attending. This is when I got really aggressive to, to pay off my debt. So that means that I finished residency and could practice on my own, basically. Um, and at that point, we had probably about $3,000 in our emergency fund because we didn't have anyone else. It was just the two of us and a likelihood of both of us losing our jobs at the same time would be a low likelihood because we, we are physicians. Um, and after that, I was just very, very aggressive. Um, the key thing that I did for 
my student loans was I refinanced my student loans. So basically I took them from a federal student loan company with Navient, <clears throat> which is federal student loans and Navient, horrible, but. Girl, tell me about it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So I took them from Navient and I basically sold them to another bank called Mahalia through a refinance company called SoFi. And what that did for me is it took that a hundred, it was actually 135,000 at the time of refinancing. And it was at an interest rate of 6.8%. And I sold them to this bank for an interest rate of 3.5%. So that lowered my interest. And you know, when you're paying off debt, most of the money goes to interest, especially when you have a large sum of money. Um, So that helped to make more of my payments go towards the principal. In the beginning, I just paid what was my payment because my payment actually doubled. I typically, when you're enrolled in a federal plan, I was enrolled in something called the Public Service Loan Forgiveness, um, which is offered to those who are working in an environment that services the community. And what they say is you have to make 120 qualifying payments. And I don't know if they're consecutive or not, qualifying payments, and then you have to work for um, one of these, you know, federally qualified health centers or even like a hospital and things of that nature. Um, And so I was initially enrolled in that. And after that, I basically was enrolled in that program for 10 years. Um, And my my payments doubled because when I refinanced, I refinanced for a five-year fixed. So I took what was a 10-year plan for a five-year plan and my payments went up to $2,500 a month. So... (laughs) but you had a salary to be able to do that right yeah so at that time I was making a hundred and ninety thousand dollars um a year let me know (laughs) (laughs) well now we're in Boston and in Boston you don't get paid that much I mean it's still it's still six figures but it's not it's not a lot and because now I have one little one and one on the way Girl, I'm not working full time as a physician now. I'm doing like the mommy physician thing. Anywho, Girl, if y'all if y'all don't let me borrow no money, just say that. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Well, let me say not borrow because we're trying to get out of debt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that's right. Make it clear what, what your intentions are. I mean, and I <laughs> I shouldn't be uh, expected to pay back. <laughs> um, Oh my goodness. So yeah, so I had the income to do that, but still being Mm -hmm. a new physician, um, I just wanted to feel, how was it? Because I had delayed gratification for so long. I also wanted to spend a little bit of my money. And so after that, I realized it's the strategy of joy budgeting. And basically what that does for me is I sit down with myself and say, okay, Brittany, what actually brings you joy? So And then I make sure that I budget those things at first. So traveling brings me joy. So, okay, my husband and I, we want to travel abroad. So how much is it actually going to take to travel abroad? And we set that money aside. Okay, what are the other things that bring you joy? You know, getting your hair done, getting your nails done, things of that nature. How much money do you have? So I put those things in my budget first. And then I start to budget the rest of everything. And eating out doesn't bring me joy. So my eating out budget literally is when I'm working 
like $20 a week just so I could go to the cafeteria and get snacks or if my coworkers wanted to go to the cafeteria or whatever, but I bring my food from home. So I was able to sacrifice the other areas by focusing on my joy. And then after I started to pay off debt, that became a joy priority. So I was able to pay it off more aggressively and just throw every extra money, you know, to that and budget in, um, you know, more money to, to pay off the debt. So that was my overall strategy is basically, you know, having an emergency fund and focusing on joy. And by focusing on joy, it just makes paying off debt more sustainable because I'm sure you could look in your closet and say, oh, dang, I bought these shoes two years ago and they and still, worn, they still right? got the tag on the bottom. I've never worn them. Right. <laughs> I want to go so back there's to so many people who do that. You know, we yeah. buy all of this stuff. You're right. And that we don't need in, in excess. And I want to go back to something you said about you oh, refinancing. So to tell the listeners, you basically called Navian or who did you call first to say, I want to switch this over? And it, was there any negotiation on your part that you did to, to bring the uh, interest rate down? Okay. Yes. That's a great question. So the first step is when you're thinking about refinancing, and I have a whole YouTube video, actually a two-part series YouTube video about this. When you're thinking about refinancing, you first have to consider a couple of things. So for your listeners, this is Financial Literacy Month. If you have federal student loans right now in 2021, I personally would not recommend refinancing right now, okay? If you have federal student loans that qualify under the CARES Act for a 0% interest, because no bank, zero, none are going to give you 0% interest, okay? So that is the first thing I just kind of want to put out there. But if you have private student loans that you want to also consider, maybe this is an appropriate time because the interest rates are pretty low. You want to make sure that you have a good credit score, one, and you also want to look at your debt to income ratio um, or income to debt ratio, however you want to put the numbers. Um, So when you think about an income to debt ratio, you know, I would say at least 1.5 of you know, after you do that division of your income and you can take your monthly income, what you bring in and all of your debt. So all of your bills, your student loans, all of that and do that divide income divided by your debt and at least 1.5. Two is going to definitely be better, right? Because they're going to take your income into account as well when you apply for refinancing. Um. And then think about your job. How stable is your job? Making sure you are able to pay all of your bills right now on time because sometimes when you refinance, your payments actually go down, but sometimes they go up. So you just want to be able to kind of be prepared for that. And also, as I said, make sure you have an emergency fund. So after you figure out that you're a good candidate, then what you want to do is you can go to um, a website like Credible. And I think nerd wallet may also have one of these websites where you could just type in like student loan refinancing and it takes you through an algorithm asking things about yourself how much income what level of education you have all of this stuff and it will spit out interest rates from various companies and that way you can figure out what is the interest rate compared to what your current interest rate is 
and also what are the payments going to increase to and what are the terms of the agreement when I say terms means like the duration so is it like a a seven-year variable or is it a five-year fixed or a 10-year fixed and things of that nature so five years or seven years mean you have seven or five years to pay it back fixed or variable Fixed meaning that your interest rate is going to stay the same variable, meaning that your interest rate can change. It can go up or it can go down. And I always recommend that people go for a fixed because it's easier to budget on a fixed. Right. Now you might lose out on the opportunity when the interest rates go down, but at least you know that you're able to budget on a fixed rate. Um, and fixed for my listeners means it's going to stay at that rate for the duration of the refinance. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And then after you get kind of these ballpark numbers, what I would say is to try to save up that money for three months and figure out how it feels for you. Is it really stressful? You know, did you lose your job or whatever the case may be? Or if it feels good, comfortable, and you still have money in the bank, then that gives you three months of savings in addition, you know, to pay back your student loans. And you should go and apply for the company. Now, choosing the best company, I would say whoever has the best customer service, that's who the, the company you want to go to. So I would call all these companies. You know, you have to submit documentations about your credit scores and, and they'll do an inquiry. So if you're going to refinance, if you make the decision that you're going to refinance, you want to call all the companies within 30 days because that's going to be a hard inquiry on your credit report and hard inquiries can decrease your credit score. It's not going to decrease your credit score a lot, but it will decrease your credit score. So you want to make sure that you call all the companies within 30 days. And then after you get the best rate, then you can call and negotiate and say, hey, this company is offering me this interest rate. <laughs> what do you think? Because right now, you know, especially right now, a lot of people are not refinancing their federal loans because the government is giving them 0% until September, the end of September. I, all great tips, all wonderful information that yes, 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 yes. I love how you said call them and see who, basically who treats you the best, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and make your decision that way. You know, people will show you who they are. And if mm -hmm. they're, if they're horrible with you at the beginning, these finance companies, just see how aggressive they'll get for you. If you happen to miss the payment or something in life possibly happens. Um, I think the point that you touched on about the joy, right? Joy and wealth and joy and money and having the joy fund. I really like that because you realize that, hey, I'm not big, big on fast food. So I can sacrifice that portion of just and, and allot myself a 20, <clears throat> $20 budget. And I think what the pandemic showed us in a lot of ways by sitting us all down, except for you, because you were an essential worker. <laughs> Thank you for your service and all that you do. Because uh, <laughs> you was at the house, you were in the trenches. Okay. Uh, for even for many of us, and even, you know, just having to be on the front line and they having basically to come straight back home. You couldn't be out there philandering in the world. But it really made you, at least for me, it made me take an inventory of need versus want. Mm -hmm. You know, and it really allowed me to really reimagine my money and how my money works for me um, to even save more. Like you said, travel brings you joy. Same, same for me. It brings me much joy. And I uh, want to give my son many experiences that I had as a child and even more than I had as a mm -hmm. child. And so it made me, like I said, reimagine my money to even save more. What did I need here? Really take 
into budgeting. Like I really budgeted down to the T of gas. I allowed myself $25 a week for gas, right? So that's, if it's four weeks, that's $100 a month. If it's five weeks, $125 a month. But we were so good in this pandemic, I didn't even have to use that money. <laughs> so it's extra money because I wasn't even going anywhere. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that, that was just a, a great life lesson. It was just something that we all needed. And shout out to the government for the 0% interest. I really took advantage of that during this time. And I know a lot of people because um, they were basically in a forbearance where we didn't have to pay because the government was like, okay, we all going through it. You don't have to pay. And I know several people who just took that opportunity not to pay it. Mm -hmm. All right. That time where I was like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, I want to get this down as yes. much as I can without this interest rate. Do, do you think moving forward, you know, there's talks in the works about the Biden administration paying off about $50,000 worth of uh, people's loans. And I personally think it would be better for the majority if they just kept it at the zero interest. Because then that makes people feel like I can see it going down. When you're paying constantly, you're paying month to month, you don't see it going anywhere. So what are your right. thoughts about that? Yeah, so I think I think it depends. Um, I personally feel like I am so happy that you were like, oh no, this 0%, I'm about to put some <laughs> extra cash money towards this because yes. I realized that now all of my money is going towards the actual principal. And for a government to say, okay, we'll keep it 0%, but now you have to make your payments. I think that has to be the caveat that now you also have to make your payments. But it also depends on kind of what is the economic climate. You know, we have seen the stimulus and the stimulus, of course, the stimulus checks and packages have helped to kind of boost the economy and also boost the stock market and things of that nature. But how long is that going to last? I'm not exactly sure. Um, so many people are still out of work. Many people are still furloughed. So having the 0% interest will allow them to at least not have that kind of compounding because student loan interest is compounded daily, not, Mm. (laughs) not Mm. just monthly, daily, not just annually, daily. So it, it will be beneficial, but I'm just wondering how many people will not pay because, is still at zero percent with no with no payments required, um, and and if you don't have the money to pay, then that's fine. But if you're using your stimulus check to you know take a trip because you know the flights are cheaper or whatever the case might be, something that is not a necessity, then you're just continuing to build up um, you know more more debt or allowing that debt to stay the same. Um, you know, the payoff, I think, could be also beneficial because some people only have 50000 or only have 10000 I don't, I don't know if it's actually going to be 50000 That sounds like too great to be true, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I would imagine 10000 and, you know, they're going to have the income cutoffs. Um, but that 10000 could be extremely helpful for people uh, as well because, that's 10,000 less. And if, you know, your principal amount is lower, then that means there's less interest accruing over time. And maybe they could do some balance of 10,000 and decreasing the interest rate. But 
what people don't realize is student loans is a business. You know, the fact that you can sign on the, on the dotted line and take out this amount of money as an 18 year old, you can't even get a credit card. <laughs> you can't even get a house. With a, you, okay. can't, you can't get anything. <laughs> so, you know, it, it is it is meant for you to fail and there is a business to it. So I, people need to realize that everybody's about their coin and the government is about their coin too. Um, I do want to say one thing about refinancing though that I did mention is refinancing is also not for everyone because you can lose some of the protections of the federal government, like forbearance, like income-based repayments and things of that nature. So that is definitely something that you want to consider if you're going to refinance because if you have any type of instability in your finances or in your job situation, then of course it might not be the right time to refinance just because of those things and you lose the federal government protection. So it's about its coin, but you know, it can also work with you to to some degree. So it's good to just kind of weigh your options to see which one will best fit your lifestyle and the type of industry that you're in. Definitely, definitely. Um, And your lifestyle is just key, you know, like how secure are you, you know, are you a good candidate and really thinking about that. So yeah, I would encourage everybody, you know, to go, I mentioned it here, but go back to the YouTube video if you missed anything um, and, and watch that. Cause I, I do it in kind of like this two, two part process of things to consider. And we'll make sure we'll have those links down at the bottom in the show notes for you to okay. click directly on to get this valuable information. Dr. Brittany, I was watching one of your videos and you talked about overspending and right now in the age of stimulus and stimuli and stimulation, baby, overspending is at an all time high. So one of the things that you, one of the things that you mentioned is that people who use credit cards more uh, than those people who use cash. Basically, you are saying that if you use a credit card, you mindlessly swipe and when you have the cash in hand, you're more conscious of your spending. Like, oh, it's dwindling. Like you can see the physical mm-hmm. dwindling of your yes. money. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tell the audience a little bit about that. Yeah, so there have actually been studies that have been shown that when you are using a credit card, you are willing to pay twice as much for some things than if you have cash. And... <sighs> In my coaching business, I spent a lot of time on just really getting to know the person and talking about the psychology of money. Because if money was all just numbers and logical, then we would all be rich, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we we clearly know that everybody is not rich, right? Sure. So, or should I say wealthy? Because there is a difference, but nonetheless. (laughs) Um, so, So there is a psychology to money. And that psychology is at play with credit cards versus cash. Because again, like you said, you could just mindlessly swipe or you don't have that direct connection to your bank account to say, okay, well, in 30 days or 40 days, whatever, you know, when you make the purchase and when your payment due date is, I'm going to have to pay this back. And this is how much I actually have in my um, account right now. There's not that, that logical connection. There's not that psychological and physical connection of seeing the money go down because I don't know about you but whenever I see things go down that I want to be high yeah. <laughs> that, like that just makes me feel bad like oh shoot I need to 
Wait, I only got five and you definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm about to just eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when I go home. I'm not getting this burger from McDonald's. Right. <laughs> I can um, relate. <laughs> yes. And so just overspending, I mean, you talk about the stimulus package, but also being home and having nothing else to do. You got that credit card number just stored right in Amazon or what have you, you know, so you could just go on and purchase things. But if you have to physically go to the store and purchase them with cash, then you're going to see that money depreciate. And also you're going to have the physical item as you're walking through the stores, you know, oh, wait, I don't actually need anything else. I don't have any more hands to carry this. You got to think about the psychology of money when, when you're advising people and when you're telling people, you know, how to get off out of debt. So if you want to get out of debt and you have a lot of credit card debt, then cut up those credit cards, mm-hmm. cut them up, or you don't have to cut them up. You could call the bank and say, Hey, I want I you to put a hold on my account. You gonna remember when you, when you That's hit them. true. Cause you'll be like, okay, Brittany, you are so right. You know, I, I'm, I just love that the psychology behind it. There's a psychology. There's a there's a stimuli behind why we do things. You talk about the joy, and it's it's all really directly linked or correlated to to some extent. And I think about when I was in a pandemic. I'm not a big shopper. I'm a I'm a big on experiences. Like take me there. Mm-hmm. Let me cap on this plane and experience, or drive the country and go see. Right. But during this pandemic. My, my fiance says you had a package coming in here every week, right? So the psychology <laughs> behind that, and I think with a lot of, I was, I was like, oh, okay, all right. And people were having deals, okay? They were like, no one's shopping. There's a deal. Okay, there's a deal. Okay, let me let me do this, right? I'm like my mom, right? It's like at the dollar store. She's like, oh, it's just a dollar. And then she leaves mm-hmm. $100 worth of stuff. Okay, just because it was a dollar. Just to mm-hmm. mean that you, you know, you need it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but the psychology behind that, and I think a lot of people, you know, being isolated at home, people didn't, some people didn't even have companionship, right? And so they were swiping that card, you know, for the gratification to feel something, to feel connected with people up there on social media, and these people have this, or these people have that. And so you're doing that. So we just really need to be cognizant of the why we're getting something or the why, you know, we're, we're doing anything. Are you buying that bag or that purse to keep up with the Joneses and the Instagram models? Like, what is your why behind it? And really assess what, what do I need this for? How long will I be able to use this item? Is it just for one day, a month, six months, really analyze that. Another thing that you said, you know, as, as it comes to the overspending and credit card on average, People spend $22 in cash and $112 in credit. And I was mind blown by that statistic. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yes, literally. I mean, it's it's five times the, the amount. So, you know, even more than what the study that I quoted um, showed. So it, it really, it is important for, for us to be mindful of how we're spending our money. And I always, I actually like using credit cards because I want credit cards have, have benefits. I think, (laughs) um, they can help you to build credit. If you use them responsibly, they can, you know, also get you some rewards. And that's why I like to use them because we have a travel (laughs) credit card, although we're not able to travel, but that's how we pay for our trip to Hawaii. Like, literally round trip ticket to Hawaii. But whenever I encourage people to use credit cards, 
you have to use it within your budget. You have to use it within your budget. And if you have credit card debt, then, you know, I would just encourage you to just cut up the credit cards for now. Don't close them because that can decrease your credit utilization, which is 30% of your credit score. And we can talk about that at another time. Ooh, you, um, got all, you got all, all the gyms. We'll have to bring you back, Brittany. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so don't close them unless they have an annual fee that, of course, you, you can't afford and, you know, you're not building up the, enough reward points or what have you to, to, um, to really validate that, that annual fee. But I always say, use it within your budget. So if you're trying to build credit, then use it for a subscription, like a Netflix subscription. Put that on a credit card, set it on automatic payment. Anytime you're paying off debt, just set it on automatic payment. Because that way you can pay your minimum balance. If that's all you can afford, pay your minimum balance. But that means you don't miss any payments. And your payment history is 35% of your credit score. So you don't want to have any late payments. But I would say if you're trying to build credit, use it for like a small subscription, put it on automatic payment, full balance, and then cut up the credit card and just walk away. It's working for you actively, but it's mindless. You don't have to think about it. That's a great, that's a great tip. So to put it into even more context, if you're going to use a credit card, like she says, use it wisely, use it for something that you do often. For example, you go grocery shopping every month and you know, you spend 60 or maybe a hundred dollars on groceries, pay it with a credit card and that money that you were going to use to pay the groceries, just pay that credit card off. Same thing. Like I said, with gas, I know that it's $25 a week. You can swipe, swipe, swipe. At the end of the month, you have that set aside and pay it off. So that's really, that's a really great tip. And before we close out our talk today, I want to talk about one thing that you brought up that I was like, I have to know a little bit more about this. And it was life creep. And life Hmm. creep, I'll let you explain it um, because you got all the money and you know where it resides, Brittany. (laughs) You ain't trying to let us hold it because you you was like, you know, I became a doctor. And they was like, oh, Brittany, you got the money. You got the money. You know, the money resides. You about to be balling out of control. So let's talk about the life proof and how you know what? (laughs) I'm so I'm so glad you said that because when people like afterwards, they're like, Oh, you a doctor girl, you about to be, you know, get a new car, you gonna do this, you're gonna do that. No. I would drive a 2006 Saturn Ion. I got some scratches on the sides, some yellow paint, things that I hit. I haven't gotten fixed. <laughs> um, and my husband's car is a 2005 Toyota Avalon that needs to be replaced. But I mean, they actually still run well, to be honest with you. But, you know, they're just getting old. You know, our cars are 15, 16 years old. And so we avoided life creep. So basically life creep is, when your discretionary income increases, like you move from being a medical student to a resident, now you actually have an income where you didn't before, or you know you graduate from undergraduate and you become an engineer, whatever the case is, then your lifestyle rises to meet that discretionary income. And meaning you spend more money on stuff because you're like, oh, I got more money. I can afford this house or I can treat myself to this or I could do that. But wealth is what you don't see. Wealth Mm. is the money that is saved. Wealth is the money that is invested. Wealth is not, you know, the Rolex on your wrist (laughs) or the Bentley you're driving, you know, because that Bentley can be repossessed if you lose your job. (laughs) You're preaching. Let me pass you a collection plane. You're preaching. 
Yes, come on, come on. Tell us the word, Brittany. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, and that was key. That was key step that I did mention. So thank you again for for bringing that up about how we paid off my student loan debt so quickly is because I didn't get a new car, you know? We didn't go out and eat at fancy restaurants all the time. We did eat out at fancy restaurants, but we budgeted for it. And I also am frugal. So I look for coupons and I shop when the groceries are on sale. If it's ground turkey, that means we have a spaghetti night, a taco <laughs> night, <laughs> a chili night. Come on, you already know. <laughs> you already know. We from Flint. We're going to eat them tacos for two days. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Yes. So, you know, I did things to save us money, you know, and that's really where you focus on your joy priorities because you spend on what brings you joy and everything else. You figure out how to make it work and you make sacrifices and you don't feel the the dread of budgeting and paying off debt because you're not depriving yourself. Because you know, if joy is like, for me, I love ice cream, this lavender honey ice cream. At the end of the week, I get to have my lavender honey ice cream. So that means I don't have to have this burger right now because I'm going to get what brings me right, brings me joy. So avoiding life creep is key. Remember, wealth is the money that you don't see. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you don't want to, when you get more money, you want to live at the same level as you did when you made the least amount of money or the lesser amount of money. Um, and you want to save and invest. So not just save in a bank. You got to save and invest. And that's a whole nother topic because I think within we, our community. What you want to do? Two more shows, uh, Dr. Brittany? We got a whole series, obviously. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you want to save and invest because investing is really the only way that you're going to be able to build wealth um, and you can over do that the long time. Mutual- mutual funds too if you're just not the person who knows how to watch the stock market and how that goes yeah yes definitely I don't watch the stock market I invest in mutual funds like you said yes period okay that's right that makes sense to me (laughs) and you know what there I'm passive I like to set things in play and just let them work for me I don't want to keep working you know I tell people all the time I go Mm-mm. No, I want to make money in my sleep. I want to be, you know, trading every day and getting on the computer and being concerned about that. Mm-mm. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Brittany Halford, MD, MPH, we thank you so much for being together. I say we, I always talk and we, it's only me. I thank you for being a guest on the Tanae Talks podcast, the podcast that entertains and educates. We had an entertaining conversation, but most importantly, we had an educating conversation. And I hope these tips that you shared will help my listeners. They have for sure, you know, helped me. Um, th- this life creep really spoke to my spirit, you know, we talk about the psychology and the wealth, it's all tied to us as a being. And I recently got a promotion and that life creep just really stuck out to me. Uh, so thank you. So your work, is not, your work is not in vain. Thank you. And it made me think like, don't be trying to be out here like, like that. Maintain mm-hmm. what you have, put some to the side, but also enjoy the fruits of your labor. Of and course. I, just, I think in our community when we say we don't do this or we don't do that. I think sometimes we're so bogged down with the the trials of life mm-hmm. that 
you know, we want to feel great. We want to enjoy the fruits of our labor. So we do overspend and we do make some decisions that won't help us in the future, but help us in instant gratification. But we're going to fix all that. And I'm sure that the tips you gave us today will help alleviate some of that. So in true Tanae Talks fashion, this is your moment to give your shout out. So are you going to give a shout out to today? A shout out. Mm. <clears throat> I'm just going to say, I'm going to say God. I mean, I know people probably shouting out to God all the time. <laughs> but my they prayer for this. Just <laughs> <laughs> they, they my prayer like my for cousin, this. my husband, my friends, but come on, God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my prayer for this year has been, you know, to for him to reveal his purpose, you know, in, in my life. And um, just so many opportunities like being here and being able to share my knowledge with your audience you know, is divine through him. And so I'm just really appreciative of the opportunity and for me to kind of have this passion that also brings me gratification and satisfaction and joy. And, you know, just for me to just be able to submit and, and yeah. So shout out to God always. Thank you for the work that you do in the world (laughs) in my life. Yes. We got to praise God. You got to hallelujah, highest praise. I'm here for it. (laughs) <laughs> anybody so, else i mean god is is, is really all god is it really <laughs> i mean i can i can go down the line my mom you know she she is a mother to it through and through she's always like well just wait you're gonna do this with brooke brooke is my daughter yeah um you know my husband just my daughter this baby that's growing in my belly hey, and making baby. me all fat <laughs> And to you, and thank you for this you. this podcast, this platform to to share information with our audience. You know, especially our people, we need it. You know, we don't know where to go for information, and I think so much. There's so much trepidation of even you know just stepping out of fear or acquiring it, asking questions. So the fact that you have this where people can listen and they don't have to ask questions or step out of their comfort zone and just really be able to grasp the information is awesome. That's great, Brittany. Thank you, Dr. Brittany, MD, MPH. We're so glad that you're in the world. We're so glad that you submitted to the vision to help others. You are walking in your purpose. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, This episode, again, was brought to you by Pure Cuts, where you get the master barber experience. You can follow R underscore the barber on Instagram to get more information. Thank you. Thank you.